You are listening to The Beckett Cook Show with your host, Beckett Cook. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. To help support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash the Beckett Cook Show. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a five-star rating. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Guess who stopped by today? Victoria Jackson stopped by. She just knocked on my front door and I opened it and she was... I jumped out of the comments <laughs> section. I, I write too many comments to Beckett at, at his show and I jumped right out into his set. Well, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so glad Paul, her husband Paul's here. He's going to play some music later and uh i invited myself and victoria is gonna sing a little bit so that'll because be fun i'm such a fan i have to tell your audience this man is a warrior for jesus christ and he's on the front lines and he is he was born for such a time as this and i'm so excited watching him there's no one like him and 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 I'm his biggest fan, and I and I watch all the shows, and 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 tell him how we met. We met one year ago. No, we met. It was two year, two and a half years ago. Oh, two years ago. We met August. I remember the date because my it birthday, was the, August first, right? August second. Was was it August second? Well, I was there because it was my birthday, but it's probably the day before. We met on because we were both taping the Eric McTaxas show on the same day. Yes, and I was turning sixty. And they were had they were having technical difficulties. Remember, the lighting. Did you know all this? You didn't probably. No, but I thought the lighting was weird. The lighting was like purple and dark. Yeah, it was dark. That they had. But anyway, we met two and a half years ago in New York City on the Eric Metaxa show, and um, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad we finally are connected because we we talked on the show, but she was super busy. I know, was distracted. She was distracted. I was trying to think of what I was going to say, and I was going to hear David Sedaris that night. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I had to catch some kind of train, and I'd never done that train. <laughs> chugga chugga, whatever you call that special. Like a choo 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 train? What was it called, Paul? It was a special train to the rich people, the liberal. Oh, neighborhood. the Jitney. The Jitney! To the Hamptons. To the liberal neighborhood. To, to the Hamptons. David Sedaris, and I. I think he's such a funny writer and I wanted to go for my birthday present to myself. And so he was there and he was there, but we didn't really get to hang out. Yeah. Then I found out he had a show because I was watching China Phillips show and I'm a big fan of China Phillips YouTube show. And then I saw him on it and I'm like, I love him. <laughs> and then I, well, I hang on every word, you know, the Bible, you are strong theologic redoctrine you you preach the word in your gentle kind cares charming uh, charming she should be my publicist movie star way <laughs> and 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 uh, yeah I, I mean I have so much to say about well let's well let's let's talk about you now let's get no. okay obviously you were on Saturday Night Live but I want to talk about all the things that led up to that, including your childhood and Christianity. But you were on Saturday Night Live from 1982 to 1980, 1990, no, 1986 80, to 1992. 86 to 92. Those were the good years. And what 
Were you like the second wave of cast or the third wave? I was like the first wave. Well, no, because the first wave was like Bill Murray. And oh, yeah, yeah. 75. Sorry, I hope my feet don't smell. I just took my shoes off. Okay, so the first wave was 75 to 80. Gilda, Gilda Aykroyd, Belushi, and Lauren Michaels was the producer. And then Lauren left, and then some other producer came, and then there was Billy Crystal and blah, blah, blah. And then Lauren came back in 85, and he had the Robert Downey cast, and then... Lauren Michaels is the producer of both. Creator and yeah. producer. Creator, creator, yeah. And then uh, he came back, and then... Um, this show in 85 had Anthony Michael Hall, Robert Downey Jr. And then he changed the cat and it had Lovitz and Norton. And then when I came in 86, he kept two of them and made our good cast. And your cast was what? Phil Hartman? Phil Hartman, Dana Carvey, Dennis Miller, John Lovitz, Kevin Nealon, Jan Hooks, Norton and me. That, that's a made, those are all like major, like that was a great cast. We were, that we was were like, also different. And, and and then when our contract was five years, but we stayed longer because he said we could. And then when he, we had to write our own material. So after five years, you kind of run out of ideas. Like I didn't really know how to write sketches very well because I never had a TV when I grew up. But I, <laughs> I did gymnastics my whole childhood. So I did about five handstands on the update desk and I was running out of ways to do a handstand. <laughs> I did one as a Christmas tree and one as a flag on my butt and one as I love a cop on my legs. Anyway, so long story short, my last three years were the first three years of Adam Sandler, David Spade, Chris Farley, Chris Rock. That Those new guys, oh, the new I guys. was the old guy when they came. They were the new guys. Wow. And we kind of crossed paths and then I we left. And so tell us, because... There, I think there was a unique, funny way that you... So you were on Johnny Carson for a while. Well, that was my stands. big break. Your big break. How did you get the Johnny Carson show? I was doing stand-up comedy in 1980 for two years at the Variety Arts Center. And the talent scout for The Tonight Show came. And I had six minutes. And I was trying to get on Carson. I did it every night. I, I did it at the improv. I did it at the comedy store. Well... And then, the by the way, for you kids, it's the Jimmy Fallon show now, but that, it was yeah. Johnny Carson back in the day. Yeah. And then, um, the Tonight Show. Yeah. And the guys, if you want to be on the Tonight Show, I'm like, yes. So that was my big break. And I did ukulele, stand up. My little gimmick was doing a handstand and saying poetry upside down because I. What poet, what was the poem that you read? It was or called said? The Life of a Gymnast. And I wrote it when I was in seventh grade. <laughs> you see, what happened was when I first tried to do stand-up at the open mic night at 1 a.m. at the comedy store, there was three drunk Japanese businessmen, and that's it. And I did my Edith Ann impression. Uh, you know, <laughs> Lily Tomlin's Edith Ann, but they was Edith Ann. Uh, I never asked to be bored if I did, but what you said, no. Anyway, um, I did that, and then Mitzi yelled at me, and she said, when I came off stage, she said, you never do someone else's material, especially if they're alive. And I was like, oh, I didn't know. So I was like, oh, I got to make up my own material. And I was working three jobs at the time, uh, typing at the cancer society, American Cancer Society, 
cigarette girl at night in the variety arts and feeding old people food at the Kipling Retirement Hotel in the day for room and board. Anyway, so I was like, oh, I have to make up my own material. So I, I didn't realize, but I stole everything from laughing because it's the only TV show I saw at my grandmother's house because we didn't have a TV. I did Ditsy like Goldie Hawn, Poetry like by Henry Gibson, and Ukulele like Tiny Tim. It was like the only things I could find in my brain. <laughs> Put a handstand in, so it was my whole childhood. Mixed it all together. I I think I look sweaty today. No, you don't. I, I think you're supposed to say glistening. You, you look great. South. You look great. I'm glistening. And so what happened? So my question is, so how did you go from Johnny Carson to SNL? Okay, so I suppose that... I was on Johnny like three times a year because he liked me. Like, uh, Jimmy. Was that where, when the first time you were on, were you just like terrified? Terrified? Yes, because everyone said if Johnny likes you, you have a career. If he doesn't like you, you don't have a career. So Jim McCauley was behind the curtain and he was shaking and he was going to pull it back and I was going to walk out to the center stage. My first Johnny Carson, February, 1983. And he was shaking and I go, why are you shaking? I'm the one who has to go out there. And he goes, because if Johnny doesn't like you, I lose my job. <gasps> so he kind of took the pressure off of me. And then I walked down and Johnny gave me the okay signs. And then he had me back about three times a year for, for a long, long time. I think Warren Michaels saw me on the Tonight Show because Someone called me at my home on my Kermit the Frog phone one night. <laughs> and, excuse me. Um, she just had a period. Beckett just gave me Perrier with bubbles. And he just made me this. Does my makeup look okay? This wonderful tea that he made. <laughs> you know, I think I look skinnier if I was down here. <laughs> You know, at home, I put the light like right here. Okay, so long story short, I, I think Warren Michaels saw me on the uh, Johnny Carson show. And so when you booked SNL, were you like beside yourself? Yes, I um, had a baby and I had a husband who was a fire eater at the time. And there he was, was a fire eater. Now, yes. What does that mean? He ate fire like this. Okay. And there wasn't much call for that. He made about $100 a year. <laughs> I saw his income tax return. Paul's already heard this story so, so many times. So, He's so bored over there. So you you had, you were with the fire eater. And yeah, and so... Oh, Were you thrilled? So the so phone rang. Oh, first yeah. you have to ask me how did I... Oh, you did ask me that. So the phone rang. <laughs> Sorry, what I'm happened? So You're in where are you living? Laurel Canyon? I'm living in Laurel Canyon on Lookout Mountain. Lookout Mountain, and the phone rings. Kermit the Frog. Yes, and they go, Would you like to audition for Saturday Night Live tomorrow at 8 a.m.? There's a ticket at LAX waiting for you. They didn't go through my agent or anything. I don't know how they got my number. <laughs> it was from God. What did you say? Yes. I thought it maybe was a hoax, and then they go, bring your characters and your impressions. And, and I said, okay, and I didn't have any, because I never had a TV, never saw a show, really, and never took improv, never was in Second City or The Groundlings or anything. I know, you didn't have to go through all that. But I had been, um, you know, doing my six minutes, minute, so stand up a lot. And 
Anyway, so when people say, how did I get on SNL? The short answer is I auditioned. <laughs> the long answer is that they flew me to New York. I auditioned for Lauren. He said, they said, stay one more night. He liked your audition. Then I went in his office and he said, so, um, so you're married and you have a baby. Um, uh, well, your audition was very funny, but see, I'm doing Dana doing Lauren. <laughs> Dana copies. Everybody copies Dana doing Lauren. And so he said, but I, I think you're weak in characters and impressions. And I was like, oh, and he started walking me to the door to leave. And I was thinking, oh no, my career is, it's, it's fucking, it's, and it's leaving it's me leave, right now. It's, my career. I said, well, I can talk like this. I can be a character like this. And he's like, mm. and I go, I could be a character like this, you know? And he's like, oh. I like if I wanted you to be Diane Keaton. And I said, oh, well, I would just stare at the ground and have, you know, men's clothes on. <laughs> and, and he's like, <laughs> and then he was like, or if I wanted you to be like, um, a Midwestern housewife. I go, well, I am a housewife, and my parents are from the Midwest. And he's like, mm. so then I was flying home, and I thought, man, I was so close. I was so close. And and then I thought, hey, I'm going to be on Johnny Carson in two weeks. I was already booked. And I thought, I'll continue my audition for Lauren on Johnny Carson. He's got to be impressed That's with that. That's amazing. And meanwhile, I'll spend two weeks, and I'll try to learn how to do impressions and characters. So I rented some VHSs at the time, it was 86. Yeah. And I I watched them and I realized I was terrible at impressions. But I thought, well, if I try to do them and people laugh, that's the whole point, make people laugh. So I I went on Johnny Carson and they said, just don't say the name of the show. We don't want to get sued. And yes, you can do your impressions for Johnny and make him guess what you're doing. And so I said, you know, boy, the way Glenn Miller play songs and they did parade. Edith from All in the Family, Edith Bunker. Yes. And, and that's a really good impression. I know. Weird. China does it really. Have you seen her? Career? I saw her do China it. And Billy do it on great. her show. I always watch her show. Yeah. And what was it? Okay, go on. What and then I went, uh, I don't know why I'm here. Just go to a commercial. I don't have anything to say. Just go. And he goes, Terry Gar. And I go, yeah, she used to do that all the time. <laughs> On David Letterman. Um, both of them. Yeah. And then I went, what's love got to do, got to do with it? And I did the dance, yes. Nice. And then I said, John, why do you want to work for my company? <sighs> Wait, who is that? Betty Davis? No. That's what he, Johnny said. Is it? And I said, no. And he goes, well, who is it? And I go, I made her up. <laughs> and then Johnny laughed like That's that. That's funny. And then so I was That's funny that he just laughed. made up an impression. So then my, when I got SNL, they called my Kermit the Frog, frog phone. Well, then I told my manager, Dolores Robinson. I, I knew I got it. When everyone laughed that moment, I said, what if Lauren Michaels didn't see it? So Dolores Robinson, Holly Robinson, Pete's mother, she's my manager. She made sure the VHS got into Lauren Michaels' hotel 
mailbox. And then two weeks later, they called me on my Kermit the Frog phone and said, congratulations, you're in the cast. I said, a ticket is waiting for you at LAX. And I said, thank you. And then I hung up and then I went, I went like this, thank you. And I went, ah! And then my baby started crying. And then the fire eater threw up on the bed because he, uh, he was so nervous. And then we had- He was this, so nervous? Yeah. About what? Flying to New York? Well, we had to move there oh, with yeah. a baby. And he was gonna be the house husband and take care of her. And so how do- okay. Changed my life. That was, yeah, that was a major move. Now, but how, so you were, you became- I'm such a fan of his. You, I, I invited myself here. I'm so a fan of hers. It's so embarrassing. No, so you, you were a Christian at a very young age, right? I was, I was six, I was raised in a Southern Baptist home. My dad was a gymnastics coach, PE teacher, and he was a Baptist deacon. And so I was always in church or the gym. And church said, be modest. And the gym said, wear a leotard, which is naked. <laughs> the word gymnasium means naked. Yeah. And so I kept thinking, maybe there's a loophole for athletes. Yeah. And so... So anyway... Um, but you, but so, you got saved young. Yes. When I was six... I learned to read, and I think that's why John three sixteen hit Jumped me. Out of you. Yeah, all of a sudden one day, because I heard it for five years, and when I was six, I was like, "Oh!" And I think it's because I learned to read. And I said, "Daddy, would you kneel next to my bed with me, and so I can ask Jesus into my heart?" And I knew that uh, at church they said. Accept him as your personal savior, believe in him, trust in him. I, there was all these different phrases. I knew they were trying to express a spiritual thing. Yeah. And, and, and I was six, but I got it. And I asked Jesus to forgive me for my sins, but I could only think of two because I was six. <laughs> what were the two sins? I was mean to my brother twice. Oh. <laughs> and... But I, I got the concept that I would probably sin more in the future. Mm -hmm. I like childlike faith. It, the yeah. Bible is so amazing because you can read it as a six-year-old and understand it. And you can study it your whole life in seminaries and still keep learning. And it, you can either be you know, a genius. You can, I mean, it's, it's a living Word I know. from God. It never gets old. It it's never always gets old. different. It's always it's, God talking to you, whatever age you are, for whatever stage of life you're at. And and my childlike faith, I just I got it. I go, oh yeah, I get it. He died on the cross for our sins. It's a spiritual thing. It's you know, it's not physical or mental. And and, and I knew I was a child of the king of the universe, and it gave me lots of confidence. When I came to Hollywood, I I wasn't terrified because I knew that my my goal in life was to win souls to Christ, not to be a movie star. So I never had the pressure. I had pressure and it's yeah. very competitive, but it wasn't the end of the world. If I didn't get an audition, I'd be like, oh, it must not be God's will. And when I was at SNL, I-, I Were your parents excited when you booked SNL? My dad was in vaudeville, 
So he was, so he he was happy. loved show business. And the reason he didn't have a TV was he was afraid he'd watch it all day. And we had a gym in our backyard and we were very poor. But um, he was very excited when I, everything that I got that was show business and and the, when I was 16, he said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, you should decide soon because you're going to be grown up soon. And the quicker you decide, the better you can get at it. And I said, well, <laughs> I don't know. And he goes, well, if you could be anything, what would you be? And I said, oh, well, I would be Maria and the sound of music and have kids in matching outfits on the mountain, seven children and be married to the captain and live in a mansion and play my ukulele and let's harmonize. That was my dream for my life. And my dad goes, hmm, that sounds like an actress. And I had never thought of it as a career or a thing. Yeah. I just wanted to be Maria. And then... <laughs> How do you solve a problem like Maria? I know every song, every yeah. Disney, everything. And um, he said, well... I don't recommend it because Christianity and show business don't mix very well. But if that's what you want to do, give it a hundred percent. And so how did you do that? So when you were at SNL, were you vocal about your faith with the cast members I, or how did they re react to you? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't think Lauren knew I was a Christian when I got SNL. Do you think he would have, you would have gotten it if he, he knew that? He was very nice to me. Like, first of all, um, he hired me because I was funny to him. And um, he was, I didn't proselytize anyone. I showed up on time. I was the only one with the baby, so I didn't hang out after I would, you know, go home and try to not miss her first step or something. But, like, our, our hours were all night hours, like, and we only had 20 shows a year. So the other 30 weeks a year, I was with my child. You know, it's yeah. 52 weeks a year, 20 shows a year. And then they do reruns all the time. Yeah. So then in the weeks off, I would do movies and things. Because when you're on SNL, you're hot and then everybody wants you. So I did movies. and Yeah, you did a bunch of movies. Yeah, one time I got 50000 to do a handstand in my living room for a sneakers ad. I put my hands in the tree torn sneakers and did a handstand and they have here's 50,000 <laughs> took like 20 minutes. So, okay. So anyway, um, so what was I like at work? Whenever my script was had, uh, like God's name in vain, like I've never taken God's name in vain. My dad said, uh, G is a euphemism for Jesus and gosh is a euphemism for God. Golly is a euphemism for God. Yeah. Holy, whatever. Jeeper, even jeepers. Yeah, they're euphemisms. Yeah. And so um, he was very strict about language, and he never told dirty jokes or anything, or said bad words. And he said the human body is a miracle God created, and people use bad words for the excretory and the reproductive systems. And he said when you do that, you're making fun of the beautiful, you know, creation a, a masterpiece yeah. that god made and so you know we never said the f word or anything i have said it before but only to my husband <laughs> <sighs> and i asked god to forgive me one time i said a bad thing well a couple of times that well mostly related to screaming so so did 
did the your castmates eventually find out? I know what's wrong. You're supposed to have it up here. That's what makes me look skinny. Oh, really? Paul, come here. You no, 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 we've already shot it so the much. The whole of it. show. I was like, why do I look so fat? It's the wrong angle. <laughs> I should be like this. <laughs> I'm doing the rest of the interview. Oh my god. Sorry. You're hilarious. I'm sorry. I'm a woman of a certain age, and I'm allowed to be like this. I forgot women like to have the camera really high. We have to do the whole interview over. No. I know there was. You look amazing. So wait, tell me, tell me, when your cat did they ever find out like that you were? Okay, okay. So what was their reaction? Yes. Well, so when I get my script, I'd be like, you know, if it said a bad word, I just wouldn't say it. I just go bummer. Or something like that. So they probably like noticed, you know, no one said a word. Um, one time they were trying to make up some gay jokes and all the writers were at this table and it was like the late eighties. So it wasn't a huge thing in the news. Like now it was like a political thing yeah. back then. <clears throat> and I walked in and I remember saying, you know, homosexuality is in a list of sins equal with gossip. And everyone turned and looked at me like, and I saw a Bible on the shelf and a dictionary. And I went over and I got the Bible. I flipped to Romans 1. I'm like, see, it has adultery, gossip, homosexual. Yeah, they're all equal sins in God's eyes. And, I, and, and then I kind of walked out of the room. Hey, what did they say? What did they do? Nothing. But, 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 but then, like this one time. Um, Why was there a Bible in, on the shelf in the studio? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe they use it prop. as a reference or a proper yes. reference. One time we did a skit where we had to have a gun and a Bible. They're making fun of the Republicans, I guess. And we had to have a... I remember I was backstage. I was holding a Bible <laughs> and a gun. And I was like, I know they're making fun of Republicans, but... And should I do this or should I not? And then I thought, ah, I'm holding the Bible. It's amazing on Saturday Night Live. I'm holding a Bible backstage. And um, so, you know, we got to write our own stuff. So we didn't, like, we could have say-so in stuff. Yeah. And so one time I told Lauren, they wrote a sketch that made, I guess they started to find out I was a Christian. Uh, no one ever asked me or anything. But so this one time... I went. In, I waited an hour to see Lauren, and I went to his office, and I said, "Lauren, um, I, I can't do this sketch because uh, they're making fun of prayer in the middle of it, and I really believe prayer is talking to God, and I'm afraid if I did the sketch, it was making fun of an extreme born-again Christian, and they cast me out of it. <laughs> and it, it's like a lady had Jesus salt and pepper shakers and stuff like that, and." See, this is a better angle. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, so I said, Lauren, if I'm praying in the middle of the stage, uh, I'm so sorry. I'm so distracted. He, he's so bored. He's heard this so many times. <laughs> uh, I, I go, I, I said, I'll either start crying or lightning will hit me because I really feel like praying is really talking to God. And he goes, I understand. No problem. I mean, he was very nice to me. Wow. And he respected, he respected me. 
And so they gave the part to Julia Sweeney, who was Catholic at the time. She's now an atheist, and she wrote a play called Letting Go of God uh, about her journey into atheism. But anyway... Um, she was funny, Julia Sweeney. Yeah, Pat. Yeah, Pat. It's Pat. Yeah. You Pat. didn't know Pat was a, well, a woman was or a man. Yeah, and so... That would never work today. No? That show, yeah. See, that was First the beginning step. of the culture talking about yeah. it publicly a lot. Or whatever she was at the beginning of so anyway uh so she did it no one laughed so they didn't put it in the show at dress rehearsal no one laughed at it so another time i thought lord this is my mission field because when i was eight i went forward in church during the sermon about isaiah when god said whom shall i send you know what we should have prayed before we started this i know we should have then I wouldn't have been so distracted. And then <laughs> Lord, please help yeah. me focus and quit being vain and help me focus in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So uh, this one time, okay, so when I was eight, I went forward and during the sermon. God said, whom shall I send in Isaiah? And he said, send me. Send me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Yeah. I don't remember that part, but I remember him saying, here I am, send me. Yeah. Uh, and well, I remember the I Clean Lips part. That's when he saw heaven and he said, I'm not worthy. And he saw the holiness of God. And, yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that part. part. Yeah. And Is then that the, next the to seraphim this? like touched his mouth with coal oh, and he became clean. Yeah. His lips became clean. Yeah. But Touch. I think that's a different part. No, that's Isaiah 6. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then he said, here am I, yeah. send me. And so I went forward during that sermon, and I remember saying, "Yes, Lord, I, I want I want to tell the world about you, the gospel." And I knew it was a big responsibility, and I knew it came with persecution since I was a child. That's amazing that you knew so young. I knew. I heard the Bible all the time. I went to a Bible college when I was sixteen. I went to a Christian school. That's where I met Paul. And I knew, I knew if you if you really lived the Christian life, you would be persecuted. In other countries, they're killing you and torturing you and jailing you. But in our country, it's the culture calling you bigot, homophobe. So I'm like? at SNL, I'm in the hallway, and I'm thinking, this is my mission field. You know, I told God when I was a child, please don't send me to Africa because it was scary. The videos they would show us back in church and you know, snakes and lions and tigers and bears. And I, and I was like scared of it. And I was like, could I, could I go somewhere else? Anyway, so my lesson, I'm like, huh, this is my mission field. Yeah. You know, and so, um, so I thought, well, how do I tell my cast members, friends, all the things I know about Jesus and the Bible? I mean, in passing, and you know, how do you tell them all of that? You can't just say, John 316. <laughs> just screaming on the, yeah. on the show. You know, so, uh, yeah, when I was on Johnny Carson once, I thought, this. I wish I could just tell the world John 316 right now, but they would think I was nuts. You know, you can't just shout it out of nowhere. Yeah. And they hired me to be funny and to be ditzy, so I should probably do that and... Then long after, in the 90s, Bill Maher had me on Politically Incorrect. And that was the first time I went on TV and said, I'm a Christian. I brought a Bible. I quoted Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And surprisingly, 
the audience clapped. I thought they would hiss or kick me out. What was Bill Maher's reaction? He had me back on 12 times because I was the perfect foil. Because I was the opposite of him. And we had the same agent. That's how I got on it. And then she said, uh, he loves you because, like, you know, you're like the opposite. You got to have conflict to make good TV. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm at SNL. How am I going to tell them about Jesus? And so I thought, hey, it's Christmas. And we're all rich now. We all have new cars. And I've probably been driving home for Christmas. And the new thing was having a cassette in your car. And I go, well, I'll get them the Bible on cassette. And then when they're driving home for Christmas, they could stick a cassette in and the Holy Spirit will teach them. Yeah. And so I got everybody the Bible on cassette, wrapped it up, put it outside their dressing room door. And um, one cast member returned hers with a note on it said, I already have one. And I thought, oh, the Holy Spirit is working. Because if it was a t-shirt, she wouldn't return it. I'd say, I already have one, you know. Wow. So that one time in the 90s, I was doing stand-up with Kevin Nealon and John Lovitz. And we were in some limo. We were in Atlantic City or somewhere. And because after the show, I did stand-up to milk the SNL thing as long as I could. Yeah. Because what other career move? I don't have training in anything else. And so I would do stand-up once a month so I could be a mom in Miami where my husband had his dream career of helicopter pilot for the police. And then once a month I'd go do stand-up. I'm milking the SNL thing. Because I'm not a great stand-up. No stand-up is hard. It's, it's super hard, hard. Nobody threw tomatoes, but I'm, I'm not But wait, so what, what about the other cast members you gave... Oh. Cassettes to with the Bible. Okay, they I never heard anything, okay? Cut to the 90s, late 90s, and I'm on the road with Kevin and John. And I said, Kevin, did I give everybody the Bible on cassette? It, or was that a dream? Like, did I do that? And he goes, Yes, you did. And <laughs> uh, he said, I still have it on my shelf. And I think I've listened to number three and number seven, something like that. I'm like, oh, I did that. Wow. <laughs> wow. Because, like, I don't know if it's a dream. You know, Yeah. life has so many things in your head. I'm like, did I do that? Oh, if, if I didn't, that would have been a good thing to do. But he said, yes, I did. So, anyway, um, one time Al Franken came up to me in the hall at SNL. And he said, uh, can I speak to you for a moment, Victoria? I'm like, yeah, we were alone. And he goes, uh, I just wanted to tell you that um, it kind of offends me that you're, you act ditzy, but I heard you talking at the meeting and you're really intelligent and it just offends me. So he said something like that. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, um, maybe it's my congenital palatal insufficiency. Uh, I was diagnosed that my air comes out of my nose or something. And he goes, uh, when I was a typist for the throat specialist, and, and I go, but maybe I'm overcompensating, you know, maybe I'm like this because I'm overcompensating for what I'm really thinking all the time, which is that everybody here is dying and going to hell, and I'm supposed to tell them about Jesus. And what was his reaction? His face turned white, like like white. 
And then he just walked away. And then he never really talked to me again. But I, I told a magazine that once, and they asked him, and he said he remembers it differently. But why was he upset he about He might have been your... flirting with me. I don't know. That's weird that he didn't like that you were ditzy but intelligent. It's that's a weird I, he might thing. have been. I know it's <clears throat> there's something more to the going on there. Like, yeah, yeah. Because then later on, when I ran into him years later, it, it was yeah. It was tense. Um, I maybe he was flirting with me. I don't know. Uh, I have a Sean Connery story where he was oh. flirting with me, and I Sean Connery was flirting with you. I'm trying to do a Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Sean was flirting. Catherine Zeta Jones. Um, <laughs> what was that like? Um, oh, it's another Christian story. So I'm in the movie Family Business with Dustin Hoffman, Matthew Broderick, Sean Connery. I play Matthew's love interest. Where was Catherine Zeta Jones? She was not. She was not in the movie. She was probably top dancing in Australia. <laughs> Okay, so you're in this movie. <laughs> that was funny. And what happened? Okay, so Sydney Lumet is directing, and the oh movie... wait, I didn't know Sydney Lumet directed that. Yes, he did, okay. and it was a bomb. It was a bomb. It bombed. Yeah, I was in so a lot of bombs. Bomb. Yeah. So um, my audition with him, I I did the scene like one time, and he said okay, and gave me the part like two times, two takes, one take. Anyway. So he believes in rehearsing. So all these big stars were sitting, and me, were sitting at this table, reading through the script. And, I, and the scene was, Sean Connery looks at me across the dining table and he says to Matthew, where do, where do you find this effing parasite? He said the word, the F word. Yeah. And then my line was, effing parasite? I had just given a speech telling how I grab up New York apartments when I find out someone's dying of cancer. I go to Sloan Kettering, find out someone's dying of cancer. And Sydney cast me against type. So no one would expect yeah. me to be going to Sloan Kettering, finding out who's dying. Yeah, and buying their apartments. Right, so Sean goes, where'd you find this effing parasite? I'm supposed to say, effing parasite? So I said to Sydney, um, excuse me, can I not say the F word um, and just say parasite? And then he's like, um, I go, because I'm a Christian and I don't really say bad words. <laughs> I love that. I love it. You but said that to Sydney Lumet. I did. <laughs> and, and, and what did he say? He goes, uh, sure. Now, so in the movie, you know, you'll see him say, Where'd you get this up in Parasite? And then you'll see me say, Parasite? So, after rehearsal, Sean comes up to me and goes, Show you're a Baptist. Because I had said I'm a, I think I said I'm a Baptist, not a Christian. Yeah. I think I said I'm a Baptist. Or I might have said a Baptist Christian. I don't know. I usually say Baptist because it wraps it up. No drinking, no dancing, no smoking, no, you know, that's the way I was raised. I have found out about Chardonnay and you know <laughs> she discovered as the, I discovered it <laughs> I discovered it in my 20s but anyway um you know it, if you say I'm a Christian some people think that that just means you're an American or you're not a Muslim 
Okay, because, so you wanted to be specific. Yeah, I wanted to explain. Yeah, and like I you're committed. You're committed. Yeah, person. I don't like the word evangelical because that's a new word. When I grew up, you just say, I'm a Christian. Um, if someone says, I'm Christian, I always knew they don't know what they're talking about. Interesting. Because if someone says, I'm Christian, usually they don't read the Bible every day and they don't pray every day and they don't love to go to church. It's just they think they're not Muslim or Buddhist or something. Yeah. But when someone says, I'm a Christian, doesn't it mean little Christ or Christ follower? Yeah. Little, yeah. A little Christ, I yeah. think it means. Well, anyway, then it means you're serious, you know? Yeah. It's semantics. Semantics. So what? So Sean Connery. So Sean goes. So what does he do? So he comes up to me and goes, "So you're a Baptist." I'm very intrigued, and I realized I was wearing a miniskirt because of gymnastics. Everyone always said I had good legs, and um, my parents said to accentuate your assets and to minimize your flaws. And so I, you know, in show business, I was like, you know, I don't know. I was raised in a leotard. I didn't think a mini skirt was a sin. I mean, it wasn't short like they wear them now. Like to here. Right. It's like a, uh, you know, I mean, I, a girl's was, school skirt. Yeah. But I realized, you know, he said, sure, a Baptist. And I felt like a hypocrite all of a sudden because I was like, oh, I'm, I go, oh, <laughs> From here to here. <laughs> so for a little joke, for a little joke, <laughs> from here to here. It's a joke. That's a good joke. I don't know what to say. That's a funny joke. Uh, what am I going to say? Yes, John 316. You know. So then he's like, oh. So then we were driven home in the same car. And then I did not give him my phone number, but he actually called my home about a week later. And he said, my husband, the fire eater, answered the phone. He said, uh, hello? And then he came in the room I was with my baby and he goes, uh, Sean Connery's on the phone. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> I was terrified. It was like, there was an earthquake. And then I go, hello? And he goes, I shouldn't be telling this, but Sean passed away, didn't he? Sean Connery uh, passed yeah, away. He's not alive. I, should, I shouldn't be telling gossipy stories, but it it's just when you read the tabloids and you see stories, like a lot of them are true. And what did he say to you? So, um, so he goes, so, uh, what's your schedule like? <laughs> You're like, what's your schedule? <laughs> <laughs> he said, what's your schedule like? And I thought he meant, I was like, and I thought he meant SNL because everybody asked me, what's your schedule like? And I'd go, Monday we meet the host and we sit on the floor in Lauren's office and talk about ideas. Tuesday is writer's night. We write all night. Wednesday we have read through and we read all the ideas and sketches through. And Lauren and the host pick the best ones with the head writer, which might be Jim Downey or Al Franken. And then we find out when we're going to be blocking on Friday. We block for camera and on Saturday we have a live dress rehearsal and then we have the live show at 1130 and then Sunday we're like exhausted so we got home at four in the morning. So I was used to telling people that so I told him that and he's like oh uh, well I'm going to the Bahamas and uh, I'll be back in a week and I was like oh okay I went to the Bahamas once and then I said okay bye and then I'm like to my husband 
Did he know you were married? He didn't care. I don't know. I don't know. Is he hitting on me? I don't know. I know. So a week goes by. Husband comes in. Uh, Sean Connery is on the phone. <laughs> Hello? I'm back. He said, I'm back. And what did you do? I said, oh, um, oh, well, I think we have, oh, the first thing he said was you were very good in the dailies. The first call, the first thing he said, you were good in the dailies. Oh, the movie. Yeah, so I thought, oh, movie star, encouraging, young, yeah. trying to be actress yes. girl. Okay, so he goes, I'm back. I go, oh, uh, well, I guess, oh, I'm going to see you. Oh, aren't we doing a scene next Monday in Central Park? And yes, oh, okay, I'll see you then. Something like that. We go to Central Park, and we're all freezing, and we're in these coats, and the wardrobe puts them on you, and then you're standing there freezing, and you're supposed to pretend it's spring, not winter. So they go, action, they take the coats off, and, and me and Matthew and Sean Connery and his lady who plays his wife were standing there, and we do our one-line scene, and then, and then we're cuddled up in coats again, and he whispers in my ear, we'll have a secret place. Lover secret place. <laughs> well, he must have been like, like a hundred years old. He than was you. like looked like my grandfather. Yeah, I was twenty six or something. And he was, was probably like, like sixty something. I was like twenty eight, and he was like sixty or something like that. And then, and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm married. And what did he say? What is that motto? I don't know. I think I, I think I said I'm married, and then he said we'll have a secret place. I don't know. And then we were walking to the trailers and one of the other actresses uh, came up to me and said, Sean Connery just asked me to take a shower with him. <laughs> oh my God. He was very active. He was an active person. Just saying, believe the tabloids. Believe. Oh, I have another Christian story. Yeah, tell, tell the Christian so when, story. About tabloids. So when Johnny Carson was um, had a heart attack, it was in the tabloids. And I hadn't been on a show for a while. I did SNL. I was retired. I was living in Miami being a mom. And um, Johnny Carson uh, said he had a heart attack. So I, I called up the number I had for a secretary from like 10 years ago, it still worked. She gave me his home address and I sent him a get well box with like my new act, which was now an hour, not six minutes, my new stand-up act, um, a slinky, some candy and a Bible with his name engraved on it. Nice. And I think a trap in it of the gospel, how to be born again. And uh, so I sent it to him and he sent me back a thank you note and it said, thank you for the care package. If it doesn't work, I hold you personally responsible. That's funny and sweet. It's sweet that he didn't like, you know, get upset. Offended. Yeah, offended. yeah. But what about, so mm -hmm. did you ever cross paths with Norm MacDonald? Yes. Um, I um, have a funny story I wrote about him. Because he just died recently, right? Yes, and, and I... I didn't know he was a Christian, right? Well, well, was he, or what's the deal? Um, you know, only God knows our hearts. Because when my brother just died, I was thinking about that. Um, Norm started saying things like he was a born-again Christian near the end of his life. Yeah. 
Because I watched every video of him when he died. He was on some, what show was he on? And he said something like, all that matters is Jesus or something yeah, like Jesus that. Jesus is the only way to heaven or yeah. to God or something. Well, um, what my story with him is I was an MC and I was told to pick my favorite stand up out of this group of tapes. And I picked him because I was a host in Palm Springs and like the late 80s. And so he was there and I said, I discovered, I picked you, you know, I thought you were the only funny one. And he, and he was like smoking, you know, he's really skinny then. And, yeah. you know, when, when he was young, he, I think he quit smoking, you know, and then he, um, and then where's my story? Skip to me standing outside the laugh factory and him going, why is your stomach so big? And I was like, like comics, they, they think it's funny sometimes to be shocking or rude. Yeah. And I was trying to think of a funny comeback and I go, because I had a baby five years ago. <laughs> so, um, I think it's funny. Oh, I got to tell my Warren baby story. Remind me and my John Lawrence story. Okay. So then I was doing, I was opening for him in a casino years later and we never really had a long conversation oh but you guys were never on SNL no we weren't together. at the same time you, you, yeah you after he said the stomach comment he said how do i get on snl oh the reason he was standing outside the laugh factory is because he didn't drive and he was waiting for his ride i don't no one knows why he didn't drive ever so so then he said how do i get on snl and i said well because I wasn't on it anymore. I said, I don't really have any power there, or any connections. I had to fight for my three lines a week, you know. But um, I know Jim Downey's a great guy, and I think he would love you because you're really good. And I'll, I still know the phone number there, so I'll call and leave a message and tell him to look at your tape or something. And he said, I sent him a tape or something like that. So about a year later, I saw Norm on the show, like, wow, he's on the show. Like, I don't know if I had anything to do with it because everyone knew he was great, you know? Yeah. But anyway, long, 10 years later, we're doing stand-up together. I'm opening for him at the casino. And he goes, um, he, we just had a minute in the green room before we were going on stage. And he goes, so why didn't we ever date? And I go, oh. I, I had to think of something short and quick because... <laughs> These guys, they don't talk to you for a long time. Everything's yeah. like a quick, funny thing, and then they're gone. And I said, um, because you don't go to church? <laughs> because that kind of sums up. Yeah. I don't know. He never asked me out. That's number one. But, I mean, yeah. Like, I want a man who believes in Jesus Christ. And at, do you think at that point, what was his response to you? Oh, he goes, oh, so that's the deal breaker. And then it's funny to me because when he died and I watched all these videos of him, it seemed like after that, I heard him mentioning, oh, when I go to cities, I visit lots of different churches. Oh, and I know I didn't have anything to do with it. I was hoping to plant a seed. You probably did. Because <laughs> how do you tell someone everything you know you learned in seminary <clears throat> in a passing green room, right? Yeah. Because he knows the Bible. He, he knows it. He knows, and you are accurate. You don't twist scripture. 
you know, you, I'm so proud of you for telling the, the word of God exactly the way God wrote it and not caving into the culture or trying to make people happy. Because when I was six, I loved that I learned about hell because I love truth. Mm-hmm. And it was like, there is heaven, there is hell. You don't have to go to hell. We all should. We're sinners. But, but God made a way. God, Jesus, God made a way. He wants to be with you forever in heaven. Your sin separates you from him. He died for your sins. You can have eternal life with the, the, your creator. And I was like, oh, awesome. And so you, you have to know truth, you know? I mean, why should you tell a child a lie? Why should you tell a grown-up a lie? It's a sin. Well, it seems like it seems like Norm at the end of his life was. It it seems. It seemed like he was a Christian, from what I saw. It really does, and some of the times he would he would talk about Jesus and like to Larry King, and he would say, "Right." He said it's not very popular, but I believe in Jesus. Yes. And then, and then in the next sentence, he would say like really bad words or some really dirty sexual thing. Right. And so you're like, you're well, like, well maybe he's a baby Christian. I don't know. Yeah. But mm, I have two more stories. Tell, yeah, tell two more stories. Okay, I'm sorry. You can make no, this I part one and part two. Yeah, we could do two parts. Yeah. Or you can throw We're it just... in the garbage. Actually, you should make it audio so no one has to look at me. No, are you kidding me? I think I'm too old to be on camera. You're hilarious. You look yeah, amazing. Yeah. Look at all the greenery around you. The greenery is nice. Yeah. Okay, and the so handsome movie star here. Just, nice. just so John Lovitz. What happened? Okay, so Lovitz to me. I love his um his what was his big thing? The well, he did acting, master thespian, and yeah. he did the liar, the liar. Uh yeah, I'm married to Morgan Fairchild. Yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. Yeah, that's the ticket. John. Sorry, John. John Lovitz. He was with Larry Sanders. Okay, go ahead. He He's amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. He's funny just doing nothing. Like, I saw. I see him sometimes like in Beverly Hills, like yeah. driving around in a Rolls Royce. It's just like, what? A Rolls Royce. I don't know where he got all the money. <laughs> I guess he just did a ton of stuff after Yeah, SNL. and he didn't have kids or any ex-wives or anything. Oh, that's, that's there you go. No college payments for kids. Yeah. So I was doing stand-up with him in Atlantic City, and we were in my hotel room, and I had been sending him tracts in Christmas cards that said how to be a a born-again Christian if you're Jewish. And it had Bible verses from the (laughs) Old Testament that were, um, you know, prophetic, prophetic, prophesying that that the Messiah was was born of a virgin, and he would give his life for his sheep, and and, and so it had all these Old Testament scriptures for the Jews in there. And so he walks into my hotel room and he goes, Victoria, you can't be a Jew and a Christian. They don't mix. It's like oil and water. And I go, John, Jesus was Jewish. <laughs> yeah. All the disciples are Jewish. The whole Bible is Jewish. It's the most Jewish book in the world. And he's like... Well, how can you be born again? How can a grown man come out of this mother? Nicodemus. And I go, John, you're quoting scripture. You're quoting scripture. And I ran to the drawer and and there was a Gideon Bible in it. And I turned to John 3 and I was like, oh, Vicky, you, you do. I, I didn't know that I knew Nicodemus was John 3. That's amazing. And then I said, John, read it, read it out loud. And I videoed him reading that exact scripture. 
And uh, he's in my cell phone. I just sent him an email and he did not respond about some other thing. But about once a year or every couple of years, we have a little text. But anyway, so that's another Jesus story. And that's the ticket. Well, that will be the ticket if you get saved. So, John, please get saved. Yes. Just come to Christ already. Yeah. Just, there's not enough time left. Just come. People should just read the Bible before they decide whether it's true or not. Just read it cover to cover one yeah. time. A lot of people, that's a, that's the funny thing is, is so many people who are not believers and who are against Christianity haven't even read the text. They don't even know what the text says. Yeah. But if you read it, it's like, yeah. it really is Like Julia Sweeney said to me, oh, I read the Bible. It it, it has, um, in, in, what did she Errors. call it? Contradictions. Contradictions. And I'm like, well, tell me one. And she couldn't. And she goes, well, it, it says Lot gave his daughters to the people to have sex with his virgin daughters. And I'm like, you can't take something out of context. God did not endorse that. He was showing the evil of Sodom and Gomorrah. And you, yeah. you, you can't just take something out of context. And, you know, you know D.A. Carson says a text out of context is a pretext for, for a proof text. Oh. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just like plucking text out of context is, is yeah. no good. No bueno. So, okay, John Lovitz. And then who else did you well, say? What was that last story, Paul, I just said? It was I Lovitz forgot. and... Um, yeah, it was something I forgot. Catherine J.J. Jones? No, no she was tap dancing in Australia. I never <laughs> met her yet. I did meet Michael Douglas on a plane, but I won't tell that story. Uh-oh. But, um, yeah, so long story short, you... We're born for such a time as this. You are a shining light in the darkness. You have courage because of the Holy Spirit. You are anointed. Well, that's what people say. People often say to me, you know, you're so bold, you're so courageous. But what, because of my, and I've said this before on the show, I think, but because of my uh, conversion story, when I, it was such a road to Damascus, intense encounter with God where it was almost like a near-death experience. That's how intense it was. And I could, I felt like I was in, it's when, when Paul says, I once knew a man who was caught up in the third heaven. Mm -hmm. Like I almost feel like I was caught up in heaven for like three seconds. Mm -hmm. So that, that gave me so much boldness. Because I, that didn't happen to me. It's just natural. It's not something that I have, it's not something I have to fight for or that I have to work up. It's just, it comes so natural because I, and also because I was in the dark for 20, so for so many years, I was in such bondage and darkness that like once I came into the light, I was like, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, everyone. So I just, that's why I'm so bold, but it doesn't feel to me like it's bold. It just feels like, yeah. you guys, this is real. Like, it's insane. Yes. I should tell my Glee story and then I should leave you. Tell what story? I should tell my story of how I lost my career. Yes, my tell tell that story. Yeah, because then I want to ask you one last thing. But okay. I'm really sorry we're here so long. No, I love that you guys are here. Oh. But Just... when I watch his show, I want to jump into the living room. <laughs> and and now say, you're here. I, I, <laughs> you I climbed really... into the TV. I did. And now you're in the actual can... TV. This is TV land. Because I, I can relate. Okay. So, uh... One day I was writing an article about why do liberals 
support Islam when Muslims kill gays. Liberals support gays and they support Muslims, but Muslims kill gays. Right. I don't get that. Yeah, it's a contradiction. Yeah. So I just was writing an article and one little line in it I put, and by the way, uh, in the show Glee, which I accidentally was flipping channels and saw, they had two teenage boys kissing. And I said, that it should not be on television for young, innocent children's minds to see. These innocent blank slates, uh, it's... It's child abuse. So you said that in the article. Oh, and then and then the my agent said I can't send you on any stand up gigs anymore because all of the clubs are owned by liberals. And I'm like, oh. And so then, uh, in the article, because I said Glee shouldn't have a homosexual themes for innocent minds, which is child abuse. Sorry, it is. Um, the internet crucified me, um, called me names. I went on CNN and I tried to defend myself. I held up a Bible and I looked like a freaking weirdo. And <laughs> I said, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God thinks. And, and someone said, she's holding up a Gideon Bible. It's because I was in a hotel at the time. I didn't steal <laughs> it. I just borrowed it for the show. And then I started to say, but my gay friends, and then they cut me off. Because they didn't want anyone to know that I have gay friends and I love gay people. They want everyone to say I'm a homophobe and everything. So then my agent dumps me the next day. This other agent yeah. who I just signed with in Atlanta said, I cannot represent you. Everyone who works for me is gay. And uh, so I related to you when you went on your show and said, you lost your career because of your belief in the word of God. And that's what Christians are supposed to do. What happened to the church? We're supposed, the Christians in the, in the past and in other countries now are being killed in China, in North Korea for saying, I believe Jesus is God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I want to follow his word and obey him. Jesus said, follow me. He, you know, he yeah. never said, say the prayer. Yeah. He never said, say the special words. He said, follow me. But anyway, um, yeah. But anyway, people are, are dying for their faith in Jesus Christ because Jesus said he comes to, here's Julia, Julia Sweeney said, well, Jesus said he comes to break up families. Um, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> He does. It's, he says, hate your mother, hate your father, hate it, your... Yeah, you know, but, but he doesn't mean hate them. He means you have to I have choose. To first you, have, well, you have to worship God first. Because when you do, you love your family more. It, it, the Bible yeah. so incredible. Yeah. Anyway, um, Christians are supposed to stand up for Christ. And you're doing it. But all of our churches are caving in. They're afraid to tell the truth. They're afraid to say the Ten Commandments. They're, they're afraid to... What's the verse? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If my people... So God said if his people yeah. will... Uh, 
you know, do their job. Teach the truth. As a six-year-old, you can know there's heaven and there's hell. Speak the truth and love. Yeah. And and so few Christians are doing it. And like you were saying about the Holy Spirit gives you courage. I didn't I didn't do anything great to cause a ruckus about glee. I didn't do anything uh, brave. I was just kind of stumbling along, living my chubby little Christian life, trying to obey the Lord. And and I feel terrible for our generation of children who are being brainwashed after the ball. These two guys purposefully uh, tried to change our culture on television and make it socially acceptable to be gay. I forget the authors of that book. Yeah, I, I, I haven't read it. It's, it's on my called list. After the Ball. And on purpose, you know. Um, so I am just passionately feel so bad for these children who I have grandchildren. And I don't want them to be, they're homeschooled because I don't want them brainwashed. I don't want them brainwashed that um, homosexuality is normal or that God approves of it. God approves of love, but not sexual immorality in mm-hmm. any form. Don't fornicate. Don't adultery. Don't have adultery. Mm-hmm. Don't have sex before marriage. Don't say bad words. Don't, you know, be holy. He said, "Be holy, for I am holy." Right. And of course, we all fail. But if we try for a ten, we might get to like in gymnastics. <laughs> no one got a ten except Nadia. But we aim for Nadia Comaneci. Yes, but we aim for a ten. Maybe we get a six. But if we aim for a six, we're going to get a three. I mean, and then someday we will be, we will look in the mirror. We will see Christ face. But what is the verse that says we, uh, oh, I will be satisfied when I wake in your likeness. Mm-hmm. That's a Bible verse. Okay. I will be satisfied when I wake in your likeness. Wouldn't it be amazing if he came back right now? Like mm-hmm. right this second? Yeah. What would you do? Well, we were just like screaming. I wouldn't be fat anymore. We we would just be screaming for joy. Well, we're gonna no, we're gonna leave it at that. But I want to just do a little musical number. So we're gonna switch the set over in a second, if you'll oblige us, and Paul will oblige us. We'll just do just anything you want to do, any song, any number, any number you want to do. Okay, here we are. By the way, this is my mother, Paul. Say hi. This hey, is everyone. Victoria's husband, Paul. And by the way, there's my mother. That's a painting oh. of my mother, Diane Cook, who's in heaven right now. I'm so jealous of her. And now, here we go with I our song. Was, I thought it was Marilyn Monroe. I, I know. They look, they look similar. Oh, yeah. So, Vic- My mother's in heaven, too. Oh, praise God. Okay, so let's go. Broken world, baby. It's a broken world, baby. Trampoline's torn. I am not surprised because I've been born. 
awkward kissing Daisy because she has some halitosis. Daisy's my dog. Um, my heart is broken and I stubbed my big toe. I just got fired and my food is GMO. I accidentally stepped into my ukulele, rushing to say hi to my new neighbor, the Israeli. Will you try to rhyme those two words? episode of the Beckett Cook Show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of the Beckett Cook Show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. The love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on Scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.